What is unhealthy communication? When we're building, when we're fostering a healthy and a successful romantic relationship, establishing effective communication is the bedrock. It's the foundation that we build trust and harmony on. But when the level of discourse between the two people in a relationship starts to seem fraught with tension, with anger, with frustration, do we even realize that that is a sign, that it signifies unhealthy communication? All forms of miscommunication have potentially severe repercussions, but when it enters a particularly bad realm, something that's maladaptive, something where there is that frustration, that anger, symptoms could include things like disrespect or even a disregard for someone's opinion or perspective on the issue, and that could lead to damage, I mean long-term damage in a relationship. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. What is unhealthy communication? Well, let's, it's important to realize that every couple has a different conflict style and every person has a different communication style. We've done some podcast episodes about different communication and conflict styles in the past, but just as a point of uh, kind of, you know, memory, as, <laughs> just to kind of recap everything here, people have different communication styles, usually one of four. So they're either the passive type where they're the peacemakers, they put their, their feelings second typically, they don't like making waves, whatever the other person says goes, it's fine, I don't care, right? You typically have that I don't care personality, whatever, I'm always happy or everything, anything's fine with me. That has a lot of tendency to build resentment because the truth is people do have an opinion and people do typically care about things. It takes someone who's incredibly mature and incredibly secure in their in their own self and happiness to be able to not care about anything. I kind of a good example of that would be a parent who is playing games with a child, maybe a five-year-old, and the kid says, do you want to play Candyland or Shoots and Ladders? And the parent says, I don't care whichever one you want. Now, in that case, they're they're telling the truth because both of them suck as games, as an adult. <laughs> and you're just doing it because what's really at the core of the of the game is the relationship between the parent and child. But that's not typically how it works in adult romantic relationships. You want something from your partner. That's why it's a partnership. 
I wouldn't say that a parent and child relationship is a partnership. It's very one-sided. So in a romantic relationship, in that type of partnership, you want things. You want to do certain things. You want to experience your life. It's not about honoring what the person wants in every single second of their lives. Unless you are a freak of nature and you have joy just existing. But I haven't met anybody like that. So typically, passive personalities tend to develop a little bit of resentment. There's also... The opposite of passive, which is aggressive. Someone has to have it their way, and unless you have a passive personality, it's very often going to end with them being aggressive and saying, nope, this is the way it is, and that's that. And it doesn't have logic often. It doesn't have reason. They just need to assert themselves as you know, getting what they want, and if they don't, they, became, they become little grumpy monsters. Now, an aggressive and a passive personality may look like they're getting along, but really it's almost as if it's a victim and an abuser when it goes to an extreme. I have seen it work. I want to I just make this clear. It doesn't always mean that someone is a victim and an abuser. I've seen it work, and I've seen someone who was completely content being the passive partner, and his wife was a narcissist. And she met the perfect person. She met the world's most passive man. And so for her, everything revolved around her and she loved it and she loved him and it worked. I don't think it was the most healthy relationship. I would have loved to see him assert himself. And in fact, he did struggle with depression. And so it wasn't that he was just happy to be alive. He just neglected himself for his whole life. And so it kind of worked for them. But it does have a balance that can work if both the passive and the aggressive natures are in check. And then the the, the last two are uh, an assertive personality, which is someone who can be mislabeled or misunderstood as aggressive uh, because they're often very assertive in what they want, but they listen to other people's opinions. They leave room for what you want. It's not their way or the highway. It's, I think we need to do this. If you have, a, you know, if, if you have an issue, please tell me, but I think this is the way we need to go. And then if the person has a real issue, they're able to listen and make adjustments. So assertive to me is always the gold standard of communication. The one time it gets you in trouble is if you're assertive to someone who's aggressive, it will often be misread as aggressive and lead to a very big fight. And then you need to be able to stand your ground and stay assertive or even play passive, understanding that it's a tactic. So it's, it gets a little bit complicated. And then, of course, the last one is passive-aggressive. So if you are passive-aggressive, that means that you say that you're passive and you act passive in the middle of the communication. But really, there's resentment there and you're doing aggressive behavior behind the scenes in some way. So you might, you know, if the person says you have to clean the bathroom and you say, okay, sure, I'll clean the bathroom, even though in the back of your head you're thinking, well, you're the one that has all the loose hair all the, you know, from shaving, so I'll clean all of the bathroom except for your area, and then you'll realize that it's your fault, right? So you're planning something in the back of your head. That's passive-aggressive. It's probably one of the most toxic because you're getting your resentment out in ways where you're not communicating. You're just you're being destructive to the relationship. So those are the types of communication styles, and depending on what you have and your partner has, you can see that there are ways where you can communicate healthily and ways where it's unhealthy. So what are some signs of unhealthy communication? What are some other than the actual conflict of communication styles? One is if you interrupt each other while talking. 
Some people interrupt each other because they're just so excited to get their opinion out. But in a mature adult relationship, you need to be able to be patient, hold on to your thought, and let your partner speak. There's usually going to be one person in the relationship who's much more verbose, much more articulate, and just talks more. It's not always the women. Right? There is that stereotype that women speak more. Not always true. I speak much more than my wife. I'm much more verbose. She's a much more quiet person. And I, in fact, did in the beginning of our relationship learn with my wife's gracious patience <laughs> to tell me that she's like, you know, you interrupt me a lot. And I said, I do. And I was in shock, not because I thought to myself, yeah, I'm going to interrupt her all the time, right? I was interrupting her because I said, oh my God, I can piggyback on your point and support what you're saying, or I can contradict you and you don't even have to go on with your argument because I, you're going to be like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. But that's not the right way to go, right? So interrupting your partner is a sign that that there's some unhealthy communication. Hopefully, you have a gracious partner who tells you, you know, you're interrupting me. And they do it calmly, not, oh, you're interrupting me again. That's what you don't want, right? But if they do say that, know that, hey, maybe you are, and try to take it with a grain of salt and try to be okay with it. Another sign is if you ignore one another's opinions. If you're the kind of person that, you know, is talking to your partner and whatever they say, you're like, well, I don't really care. Or if you feel that way about what you say, that they just don't care about your opinion, that's a sign that there's some unhealthy communication. Another one is if you make assumptions about what the other person wants without asking for their input first. That's not very healthy. I cannot tell you how many times I have been in a session where people have been dating or in a relationship or married for over a decade, sometimes pushing on two decades, and I'll say to the husband, what do you really want? And the wife wants to jump in and I hold my hand up. I said, let's let him talk. And he says what he wants and the wife's jaw drops. I'm just using that as an example. It could very easily be that the wife is the one that talks and the husband's jaw drops. But that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for someone to say what they really want when they're given a safe space to actually express it. And it's so diametrically opposed to what the partner thought they were going to say that they're in shock. We don't know. People change. People have the ability to change very fast. Who you're married to today is not the same person as the, as the guy or girl you were married to six months ago. And in the span of a marriage that lasts 30 years, six months is a blink of an eye. You need to check in and say, you know, I assumed you want this. Is that correct? And if they say yes, great. If they say no, be prepared to learn something new about your partner. Another sign that you have unhealthy communication is if you or your partner give orders instead of making requests. So if you hear this out of your partner's mouth or if you hear yourself saying, you need to, right? As in, you need to be home by five, right? That is not a sign that your relationship has healthy communication. Now, obviously there are exceptions for this. If someone has been late constantly, you know, you you might feel like you need to give an order and that's understandable, not the best way to go about doing it. 
but you can do it and and you can come back from it and it is a little bit more understandable it it's much better if you're if you have the patience and the time to say you've been late several times in the past it's really important that you're on time can i trust you to be on time it's much better to phrase it that way because you're not giving an order at that point you're asking someone really if you listen to the question can i trust you and everyone wants to say yes to that. So it's really putting the pressure on them in a healthy way. Because you're saying, look, the relationship is built on trust. Can I trust you? So giving orders is a big one. Not listening to each other when you're talking. That's a, It should seem obvious. <laughs> but it, you'd be surprised how many times I'm sitting in a, in a session and there's two people on the other side of you know my Zoom camera And it's very clear to me that one of them has checked out. That their partner is talking and they're off in la-la land. They are not listening. They are thinking of the shopping list or the sports game or what anything other than being there. It's like as soon as they hear the timbre, the sound of their partner's voice, something in their brain just went, time to check out. That's a sign that you have some very unhealthy communication. Another one is if you find yourself, or again, your partner, using words that are intended to hurt or belittle the other person. If you result or if you resort to name calling or bringing up things that you know the partner is insecure apart uh insecure about if you are intentionally trying to cause some pain that is a sign that there is some serious issues in your relationship and those should be looked into you should never want to hurt your partner if you want to hurt your partner then i would suggest getting professional help even if you're hurt Revenge is not a healthy way to move through life. If your partner has hurt you, if they've cheated on you, as an example, the answer is not to go cheat on them to even up the score. That's not the answer. This whole tit-for-tat thing where, well, they did this, so I'm going to do that. Or, you know, you hurt me this way, so I'm going to show you what it feels like. Then you just end up with two people in pain and trust out the window. Finding professional help. I mean, think, you know, it's amazing to me how parents come in and say, well, she did this and I want her to feel like what it, what, what it feels like. And I ask them, you have kids, right? Yeah. And you have two daughters. Yep. And if one of them breaks one of the other's toys, doesn't the other daughter often say, I want you to break this one of her toys? They say, yeah, they say that all the time. And do you, do you break the toy? No. Why? Well, why ruin another perfectly good toy? And that's right. That's exactly the point I try to make to them. I said, why would you break their heart? How does that fix the relationship? It doesn't. That's the answer. It just doesn't. If you're using words where you're trying to hurt the person, it's a problem. And if you hear someone, I'll give you a little tip on how to work with this. So if you hear someone say something that's painful, instead of being silent, because that's usually 
the mature response. Like if someone offends you, you just sit there and go, okay, I'm not going to respond to that. Or you even say something like, I'm not going to respond to that. I need a break from this conversation. The problem with saying something like that is that it is incredibly, first of all, it takes a lot of discipline. So if even if you can get to that level, congratulations. But secondly, if someone's trying to hurt you and you say, I need a minute, I don't want to talk to you right now. In their head, they've kind of won. Right? If their intention on it, on some level, whether it's conscious or subconscious, if their intention was to hurt you, and you say, I need to take a break. Let me, you know, I'm not going to respond to that. In their head, they're going to say, of course you don't want to respond to that because it's true. And I've won. And there's going to be a part of them that feels like they won this conversation competition that you didn't even want to play. But to them was really important. The appropriate response is to remind them of something you love about them and to ask them if their intention is to hurt you. When you are bold enough to sit there, look someone in the eye and say, are you trying to hurt me right now? That suddenly puts the game front and center that they're playing. And it wakes them up. It typically wakes them up. This is a trick we use as counselors all the time. If we have a hostile client and they are unwilling to talk about their own relationship and they turn it on us. So if someone says, well, what do you do in your relationship when your wife is angry with you? And you know, you're not in the best shape, right? Let's say someone said something like that to me. Hasn't happened, thankfully, but like, let's say someone says something like that to me. The response I would say is, are you trying to hurt me right now? Because that is disarming. You've basically said, I know what you're doing. And if that's what you want to do, okay, but don't think that I don't see it. Right, so if you tell your wife, are you trying to hurt me right now? If she says yes, then the proper response from there is, well, I don't want to hurt you and I love you and it makes me sad that you're trying to hurt me and I'm going to need to end this conversation right now because that's not fair. And you walk away. But you see how you've reinforced that you love them? And that you're unwilling to engage in a game where you're going to get hurt or you're going to have to retaliate. That is a sign of very, very, very good strength. Again, when I'll, I'll bring it back to the parenting example because it's so clear as a parent. If your kid says, I hate you, the proper response always is, I love you. Always. Your kid says, I hate you. It's tempting as a parent to say, good, I hate you too. But it's the wrong answer, man. That is the wrong thing to say. When your kid says, I love you, I, another answer you might say, well, it's your job. Or I'm sorry, not I love you. I hate you. If your kid says, I hate you, which out of my four children, I think three of them have already said that at some point. Just know, first of all, that usually if you're a good parent, at some point your kids will say it. Um, because that means you're doing your job in, of enforcing boundaries. Hopefully they're saying it because you're enforcing a good healthy boundary and not something that's detrimental to them. That's the hope, right? But if they say, I hate you, right? Another response that you might be tempted to say is, it's my job. 
for you to hate me once in a while. That's okay. You know, that's okay because that, that, they'll remember that and then eventually they'll come to the, around to realize that meant that they weren't willing to bend on boundaries that they knew were important. And eventually it'll, but if you reinforce the love, you'll find that the child will come back to you sooner. It's no different in a romantic relationship. If someone is saying things that you know are harmful to you and you just make them aware, if you just say, hey, are you trying to hurt me? And they usually they'll stop right there. In most cases, they'll say, you know, they'll say no or I guess I was. I'm sorry. I didn't realize it. And that'll end the fight or at least that moment of the fight. But making each other aware of what you're doing is is the first thing, right? It's the first thing that you need to do, the first step to actually get on a better track of having healthy communication. Some other things you can do is to remember to use I statements. So instead of saying, when you did this, or I'm pissed at you, Always try to use I and then an emotion. So I feel blank, blank, blank. I feel disrespected. I feel, instead of you make me angry, I feel angry right now. Because nobody can dictate what you feel. Nobody can argue with your feelings. You own those. You have exclusive access to the way you feel. So if you're sad or if they did something and you feel betrayed, you could say, you know, instead of saying you betrayed my trust or you broke my trust, say, I feel betrayed. What that does by you saying, I feel instantly, it gives the person, it does two things. One, it gives the person an ability to explain themselves and hopefully repair it. Because when you say, I feel something, There's a part of that that says, I don't have 100% evidence, but I feel something. Even if you do, just the nature of the English language, when you say, I feel, it's emotional, it's not factual. And so if there's room for them to explain what's going on, you're essentially inviting them, but you're doing it in a way where they are made aware that they've caused pain. So if you say, I feel betrayed, and the person says, well, I didn't betray you, I would stick with, I feel betrayed. Say, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know if I trust you, but I, I can tell you this. I feel betrayed. I feel like I can't trust you right now. And then the person, you know, just keep pushing the feelings and the emotion and the I, and the person will eventually realize, hopefully, that it's not about proving me wrong. It's not about showing me a series of facts that say, hey, you're being ridiculous. It's about, I feel this way. And we need to talk about the way I feel for a moment. Really learning to work on that method of speaking about issues is crucial to being able to express where you are. And then the last tip I'll give you, there's a lot, there's a lot that you can you know, learn about how to improve this kind of stuff. But the last tip I'll give you today is reflecting. It's, it's a great exercise if you want to make sure you're on the same page. A lot of times when someone's hurt or they're in pain and there's un, 
healthy communication, it's because there's there's emotions that are being unaddressed and they just want to be heard. I see it all the time with my kids. Sometimes there's something they're sad about that happened at school and there's no way for me to fix it. There's no way for me to even really understand it. I haven't seen parts of their classroom. I haven't seen parts of their playground. I don't know all the characters and the stories that they tell me, but they want to be heard. So reflecting is a good exercise to make someone feel heard and also to make sure you understand what's going on. So if your partner says, I feel this and I this and that and this and that and they're going off. If you can calmly say, I hear, and then explain what you're hearing and make sure that that's what they're really saying. So if someone says, I feel betrayed or you betrayed me and you were supposed to do this and that and that, if you turn it around on them and say, I hear, let me just make sure I have this correct. I'm hearing that you're upset because you thought I was going to go to the market and I didn't. And I hear that you're also upset because you think this is a pattern. Do I have that right? Taking a minute to confirm what's really on their mind. And if they're not using the I statements, you're able to flip it on its head and say, I hear that you are upset. I hear that you are angry. I hear that you are frustrated. You're essentially reflecting what they should have said, right? That they're upset, that they're angry, etc. And then clarifying the real issue. Oftentimes, when you do that, they'll either realize they're being petty, if, it, if in fact they are just being petty, or they'll realize they need to explain further and tell you the emotional content or, or the real issue that they're not articulating. It is a mainstay, it is a staple of imago therapy to be able to sit and reflect, um, and other therapies use it as well. Some people call it active listening. It's a little bit different than active listening. But the reflection is, is a great way to just, first of all, make sure you're on the same page. Make sure that the person feels heard. Before you try and resolve anything, deal with the fact that there are emotions there. Don't always jump to fixing things. First, just have people feel heard. Sometimes there are things that you can't control. Right? If you're late because there was traffic and the person's mad at you and like an unreasonable amount of traffic where you couldn't have you know predicted it and you say I hear that I hear that you're upset that I'm late and that was really important to you is that is that why you're upset do I did I get that right yes and I and I know how important this was and I see that you're really really angry with me because I got stuck in traffic do I have that right yes and then you could say do you do you you know have any idea of what kind of traffic it was and you know is 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 it possible in your head that it might have been out of my control there's ways to go through this in a productive way once they feel heard if you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships then you're in luck because i have put together a free workshop or master class if you will about three secrets that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it. It'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com slash the number three, the word secrets. It's all yours. Enjoy. Enjoy.